Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, a brand new podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I am your host, Isaac, and in this episode, I am joined by an old friend. He is an absolute expert at Chewbacca lists and has been for years. From the depths of Manchester, he joins the podcast today to discuss a matchup analysis segment of Han Rangers versus Chewbacca. I think you guys are going to like it. But before that, we have some news to get into. Um, so Jess and David are currently away, so it's just me and my very good friend here on the podcast today. Um, however, before she, they did leave, Jess was able to record some new segments, which you guys will hear right here. Hi, everyone. Uh, sorry, David and I can't be there for this episode. We're away. Um, but um, I'm here to give you the news. Um, and I hope you enjoyed my little song that I released uh, earlier. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll be back next episode. Okay, so for organized play news, we have uh, Polish Nationals are coming up 23rd to the 24th of November. And for regionals, we've got a regionals in Utah at Blackfire Games on the 7th of December. We've got one in North Carolina at Atomic Empire in Durham. That's the 11th of January. We've got one in Canada in Winnipeg at Amuse in Games. That's the 25th of January. We've got a Kentucky uh, regionals at Bluegrass Magic in Louisville, Kentucky at the 2nd of February. For IACP events, there is an IACP Try Hard online tournament the 20th of October. Uh, register online now. It's a one-day online vassal tournament uh, with a minimum of four rounds of Swiss, and top four will have an option for playoffs over the next two weeks, and you can schedule those yourselves. Uh, also, we have in the UK an IACP regional in Milton Keynes. So David's booked in the hotel for that, so we've got the Juries Inn in Milton Keynes. That is the 17th of November. All right, and for news, our very own Isaac is the French Nationals champ. Congratulations, I'm very proud of you. And also other news, we've got there is a new version of Vassal. Uh, it, the newest version is 11.6, and it has uh, been updated for IACP Season 2 changes. That's version 2.2. If you have saved any list with any changed cards, then you'll have to, unfortunately, uh, remake those and save your lists again. Also, there has been a um, kind of tweet from FFG that information about Worlds 2020 should be released soon, uh, and whether or not there will be a last chance qualifier right before Worlds, we'll see. Also, there has been a new um, IA map creator that just launched. Um, and so if you search Imperial Assault Map Creator in YouTube, you can find the tutorial there. Also, interesting roundup of lists for players with world invites. We've got four Hondrock Sabine lists. We've got Han Rangers coming from Isaac. We've got Leia Drock Sabine. We've got Leia Box. Rebel Spies, Jawa Swarm, Ugnaughts, four different Lothcat variants, four different IG lists, four Hunter 
VP type uh, lists, and also some uh, Vader Jets lists in the mix. Also, Curtis from Design's Finest Slack um, was speaking with Asmodee Canada's uh, OP department. And um, basically, the takeaway message was that it's only made up of two people. They took responsibility for what happened at Canadian Nationals. And that Kalinda Patton uh, expressed that she wanted to be involved in the IA community and has asked community organizers to email her at opkits at asmodeca.com with regards to Canadian organized play and um, messaging her with things like Facebook pages and other event sites so that she can communicate directly to the community. And she seemed to really want to be involved in the community events that were happening. Um, also, there was um, a possibility that they might be rehosting the 2019 Nationals in Vancouver so that uh, the world's invites can get sorted out, but um, that is to be determined later. Also, um, she said that Season 2 and Season 3 kits have arrived at Asmodee Canada's warehouse and were being shipped out to stores. All right, so that's it for my uh, news roundup, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode, and I'll see you next time. Brilliant. And after that, I think we are going to dive in. So I gave him a brief introduction earlier. So some of you might remember me speaking about this friend um, when, I was, when I was guest starring on Zion's Finest a couple of years ago. This is none other than Ollie. He's a wonderful, wonderful player from the UK who I've played against on many an occasion. He always provides me with an amazing challenge running his Chewbacca against my Han Rangers. And we thought it would be an absolutely wonderful episode if we were able to essentially dive deep into what makes Han Rangers and what makes a Chewbacca list. So let's bring him on. Hello, Oliver. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. How are you and how is everyone? Well, I am absolutely fabulous, and I hope the listeners are too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we are going to, yeah, basically just dive right in. What got you into the game? How long have you been playing for? So, I saw an article on a gaming website uh, about it, and I thought, yeah, that looks pretty cool. Give that a go. Uh, so, I bought it. I've got the date, because I bought it off Amazon. On the 30th of October, 2015. Um and um, I originally was into campaign with a few friends from work, one of whom is another UK player that people will recognise, Tom Parrish. So yeah, we used to work together, used to play campaign together, and we decided that we'd give Skirmish a go probably around April 2016, something like that, and went to a store championship at the sadly now closed I Buy War Games in Woking. Ah, Yes, which is a shame. Yeah, that was that was honestly one of the one of my favourite stores in the UK. They always used to host a good IA tournament. Yeah. Uh, but so back then, um, I think Twin Shadows and Hoth had just come out by the time I did my first tournament. I might be getting a bit confused, but I'm pretty sure I ran HKs because. HK47 is the best character ever, so I uh, decided to run HKs, <laughs> and they were pretty good in campaign whenever they showed up. Um, so 
I ran some form of scum list with HKs in. Can't remember what it was for the life of me now. And um, got absolutely slaughtered by Alistair Scott with a Banther list. I had never <sighs> played against a Banther list. And yeah, it didn't go well. Uh, I came back, though, with uh, some form of Stormtrooper variant, which I ran up until the points change uh, rule. Uh, so, yeah, I did a lot of stuff with Stormtroopers and the Grand Inquisitor and, and lots of fun and games around there. Which I do remember, actually, that's when I saw you for the first time at a tournament. I do believe that was the regional championships of... It was probably iBuy. Yeah, probably. It was in that weird club thing around the corner yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah that was that was a good one so did you did you enjoy running the the trooper swarm and the inquisitor and what 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 made you think of that i mean i don't mind trooper swarms they're quite fun to play um i did run one not long after um the fix came out at the uk nationals i ran a full regular stormtrooper swarm uh in theory because it doesn't matter about hunters shooting me with 17 damage if every figure's got three health. Uh, it didn't quite work out how it did in practice, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't mind trooper swarms. They're they're a lot of fun. Obviously, they're less effective when you have to when you can't run away the last one to deny points. But they were always fun. And then the Grand Inquisitor was a was a little bit different from other figures around back then. Um, I still maintain he's a very good unit. He uh, just maybe a tad expensive, but I still like the sort of figures that don't really do what other figures do, which we'll get into in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is an absolutely perfect segue. Mm. So I suppose, what exactly got you into Chewbacca lists? Because I, I remember, unless memory deceives me, you won a, at least one regional championships with Han Chewie. Uh, yeah, I, ro- I won... Um... Southwest Regional Curtain Games mm. in well, probably 2017? 2017 or 18. Yeah, which, it's on YouTube, whichever one it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so it was not long after Heart of the Empire had the fixes, didn't it? Heart of the Empire came out and um, yeah, so I thought, oh, sure, he looks a bit more tasty now. I'll, uh, I'll give that a go with, with Han, because obviously you've got to run them together. Um, so I, I I built a list uh, with the two of them in. Uh, so I had the double queen piece um, and then rounded it out back then with Gideon, 3PO, Hera, Rebel High Command, Balance of the Force, and then Isaac's favourite of three smugglers. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, what I will also um, point out is that I've been running triple smugglers for years, and that is completely thanks to Ollie. He was the yeah. one who ran against me, and I just saw that's a lot of bodies, that's a lot of objectives, and that's a, that's a lot of negative accuracy. Yeah, if you remember at the time, the maps were very objective focused, um, so there was a lot of um, the raining freight, what's your one that was called, the Nalthutter Swamps, that had. Um, four point objectives all over the map uh, there was the one where you pick up the Moss Eisley back alleys you pick them up from the middle of the alleyway and run them back to your deployment zone and smugglers were perfect for that so there was there was a lot of points in the game that smugglers were very good for the other one was Jabba's uh, palace 
um, back when this was a thing, and they were very good on that one as well for contesting and holding objectives. Um, and they were always good fun for when you dropped to focus on them and played tools for the job, and you know, no one's expecting a four dice attack from a smuggler. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, so they were. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, I managed to beat several players with hand rangers on Nalhutta swamps with it. So I obviously was doing something right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you definitely did stump um, qu- quite a lot of players. Um, were there any particular command cards that you used to surprise people with? I say pointedly. <laughs> the biggest one, and it still is, is Slippery Target with Chewbacca. Oh, yes. It's a fantastic card with Chewbacca. You know, are you, uh, for people who aren't familiar, Slippery Target is when a figure, a hostile figure enters an adjacent space, gain movement points equal to your speed. It's a smuggler or spy card. So um, Chewbacca does his free slam, puts the hostile figure adjacent to him, you get four points, three movement points for free. So uh, if you combine that with Heart of Freedom and you're already focused, uh, you've then got 10 movement points, a slam and a shot. It's not bad. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. And yeah, so like I said, Ollie has run this list against me many a time. And I, I remember when you used to run Dirty Trick back in the day. And I do remember that clutch moment really end game a ranger was moving around Chewbacca to take the kill shot on Han for the win and then you played slippery uh, not slippery targets um dirty trick dirty trick exactly um and I if I took the strain I was going to die and I you had milled me out by cards or something so I needed to become stunned which meant that I essentially lost the game because I couldn't keep on moving and shoot on which was yeah the amount of surprises you're able to fit into a deck with Chewie, because obviously, if you're not running the Rangers, you're not limited with all of the Hunter, with the entire Hunter suite. So you can more afford to take these sneaky smuggler cards. And obviously, you've got Balance of the Force in there, so it's 18 points of cards uh, to, to round up the list, but then it had Balance of the Force and um, Rebel High Command. Uh, so I had plenty of cards coming in. Um, Dirty Trick didn't last as long as Slippery Target, did uh i was umming and ahhing for a long time between the two of them but i think slippery target won out in the end um because it's just a much more adaptable card uh, especially since vader was coming back into the fold uh around about then it was before parting blow vader yeah um, <laughs> but uh he was a thing and it helped a lot to have han run away when someone ran up to him uh I think my, my proudest moment was when I played against the Han and Chewie list and someone played two slippery targets against me. Well, I mean, that does kind of remind me of another moment relatively similar when uh, you and I played in the UK National Championships in 2018 and then you proceed to play in the shadows against me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I, that, that match was incredibly close to the Nationals one. Oh. Was, it, was that the one where we were both, whichever one of us won, got into the cut? maybe I, i'm not quite sure because i think it was round three or something um but yeah it was it was definitely clutch because it came down to um yeah um, I, i've given a full report of this uh matchup in the past but it came down to one ranger managing to do 10 damage in one attack to harm to win otherwise ollie would have won and i had primary target and assassinate but still that would it required a good role yeah, well, there, there was quite a few dodges in that game, if I remember as well, on both parts. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Smugglers dodging left and right, Han dodging left and right. It was yeah. insane game. And yeah, the that clutch in the shadows, which meant that all of my rangers didn't get their rerolls against Chewie, which was massive. Yeah, yeah. But lots of fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Alrighty. So, uh, we are going to dive straight into the actual episode. So, as I've said previously, this is a matchup analysis segment. So, as this is the first matchup analysis episode, I'm going to just explain a little bit about what we try to accomplish with a matchup analysis episode. We want to try and provide, let's say, a detailed insight into the function of two very different lists. So, we have Han Rangers and we have Chewbacca. They function in very different ways, and they they appeal to very different playstyles. So whether you enjoy the denial sniper playstyle of Han Rangers, or if you enjoy the... I'm not sure. How would you explain the Chewbacca playstyle? Um, Chewbacca is all about momentum and figuring out when the time is right to, to do things with Chewbacca. Uh, and I'm being very broad there because there's essentially two strategies you can play as you go along it's either you use Chewbacca as a bit of a bullet sponge and do things with everyone else or you use everyone else as a distraction and sneak Chewbacca in. Nice, nice um, yeah so essentially obviously those are pretty similar in some ways but rather diff- different play styles so this way um, a lot of different players can essentially try and get some information from this episode. We also want to discuss list building in in preparation for such a matchup. So we are going to, from scratch, essentially create our lists and essentially just throw in exactly what we would like to have in our hand or list if we're going up against the other list. What would a Chewbacca player want if they're running against Han Rangers? What would a Han Rangers player want if they're running up against Chewbacca? We also want to have a rather deep dive into how each list aims to control the tempo of the game. So tempo of the game is something we are going to obviously deep <laughs> have a deep dive into later. But tempo is very, very important in a game like Imperial Assault. If you can control the game's tempo, you are essentially controlling the game. If you are losing more figures than your opponent, but you're, but you're losing them on your terms, that for some lists can be more of an advantage than a disadvantage. Hint, Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, furthermore, we are going to look. At, um, we are going to give some advice for new players running the list. If you haven't played Han Rangers before, if you haven't played Chewbacca before, what do you need to keep in mind if you're running? If you're running it, because both Han Rangers and Chewbacca, they are very not only specific lists, but they are very intricate and difficult to play. And this is not just saying that because we're running it. We have run it for several years, and we, I think we've both failed quite spectacularly with them from time to time. Mm-hmm. And it, it, does, it does take a lot of practice. Um, and yeah, we'll just be giving some advice on if you do want to try it out, what you want to keep an eye out for. And we're also going to look into the strengths and weaknesses of both lists, which will be good both if you're running with it or if you're running against it, or even if you're considering running with or against a list with a similar playstyle. I mean, Han Rangers functions very differently from, from weak ways, but there are some similar, fu- some similar functions which you might be able to draw some usage out of. But that's essentially, in a nutshell, what the matchup analysis segment is going to aim to do. 
So we are going to dive straight in into the list building section. So I think we're going to start off with the with everyone's favorite wookie. So Ollie, I suppose, do you want to touch on how you would how you would build a list for Chewbacca? Yeah, so, so the Chewbacca list that I've run has evolved over the years. So obviously I mentioned where it was, it's, it's Genesis. So it started out with Jin in instead of, I think, Hera, uh, way back when, uh, back to when the Dirty Trick days that Isaac mentioned earlier. Um, and then I realized Jin is the worst and misses range every shot <laughs> and dies instantly. Uh, so Jin was swiftly removed. Um, yeah, so it evolved um, kind of once Spectre cells started becoming more of a thing. Um, I no longer had enough survivability to be able to beat Spectre Cell convincingly. Uh, I need a lot of looks to go my way, uh, more than usual, uh, in order to be able to win games. And then I realized that Chewbacca is unlike most other figures in the game, in that he has got a reliable stun. So everybody was quite happy with set for stun a while ago because of its arguably broken ability to stun things well i know someone else who can stun things very easily uh, uh so i built a list around stun uh, so i took it to a regional it was the first spectre cell legal regional in the uk uh so at the time it was chewbacca gin i know i said gin's the worst i forgot for about three week period <laughs> and then remembered um chewbacca Jin tress who is a very good figure it's just a shame there's no other brawlers in uh, rebels and uh, i think ahsoka i think it was something like that um with I, the idea being most lists struggle to deal with stun so i'm going to stun all of your big figures um because i've got three figures who can do stun uh, oh, and R2, obviously. So R2 can stun, because that happens often. Yeah, so that didn't... It went okay. Uh, I remember being an idiot with Ahsoka in a game against you, Isaac. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was yeah. pretty painful. Yeah, I mean, it still made top eight. Yeah. So yeah. It was, I beat Alistair, so, you know. <laughs> Always a victory. Yeah, uh, he was running a Vader list. So Chewbacca does quite well against Vader normally. Uh, because, again, Chewbacca can stun Vader when Vader doesn't want to be stunned. Was he running Unshakable? I can't remember, to be honest. No, he might remember. Um, I remember running away from Vader a lot in that match. Uh, and As you do. Killing everything else. Yeah, so after that tournament, I, I sort of fell out of favour with Chewbacca for a bit. I wasn't convinced he could cut the mustard against Spectre Cell. It was too much... A constant threat against Chewbacca that you couldn't do much about, uh, you know, with the extra movement and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, so I, I switched to Scum VP for a few months. Um, not 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 the typical Scum VP. It was kind of um, similar to David's, I suppose, with the cats. But I I had uh, Vinto filling the role of the cats. Vinto would prey on the weak uh, and lots of movement cards with the aid of throwing Vinto in. And if I've got the right cards, I'll get uh, Chopper and Hera for lots of points. <laughs> um, but once Spectre Cell went, I, I went back to, to Chewbacca because he's the best. So my current Chewbacca list 
looks something like Chewbacca, Ahsoka, Ezra, Jared, R2, Gideon, 3PO, Balance of the Force, and Wookiee Avenger. The idea is you use Ahsoka and Jared to put their figures at long range at risk. And then if they want to close with you to, to avoid having Ahsoka dive in and kill someone at range, they meet Chewbacca and Ezra, who in theory can kill whoever you throw in there. The The command deck for that is all the sorts of things you'd be expecting on the lamb, slippery target, tools, uh, death blow, and then some spy cards for a bit more interesting uh, goings on. So comms disruption, intel leak. Um, at Euros, comms disruption won me a game when um, I think he wanted to play Heart of Freedom or something like that to be able to move Sabine out of the way of Chewbacca and comms disruption. Stop that happening. Nice, nice. It was, and I also did the the always fun um, comms disrupting someone's negation on Take Initiative. Yes, yes. Which is what everybody wants to do. Uh, so yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. Uh, I suppose uh, for the to how I'd go about setting up a list. Um, in terms of looking at it against hand rangers specifically, my main aims for that would be using Ahsoka and Jared to try and get rangers to force him to engage me with Han, and then try and remove Han when Han is more vulnerable. Nice. So, if you knew you were going up against Han rangers. Would you still be looking at running Tress, or would you be looking at bringing some smugglers back into your list to combat the objective control? Yeah, I don't have Tress anymore. She's been swapped for Jared. Oh, right, sorry. Um, Jared is what I meant. Would you still be running Jared? <sighs> um, probably, because he enables you to get to... I mean, Jared is uh, he's speed 5, and he's got Leaping Slash, which gives you two movement points and an attack. So his sort of effective attack range is, is range 8, um, which on some maps is very hard to hide against. And he, if you focus him, he hits very hard. He's a yellow-yellow, which isn't the best dice. But he's got a surge for pierce 2, a surge for plus 2, and a surge for a damage token. Um, he also has a built-in damage. And uh, with the green, you, you're looking at fairly reliably sort of 5 pierce 2. If you get a good roll, that's going up to sort of more towards the seven pierce two, which is the dead ranger. Especially since you could obviously throw death blow in there or, or, or something similar. Um, so I don't think you can afford to, to leave out Jared and Ahsoka uh, because it's the only way to combat the extreme range units like like rangers or weak ways or, or to a lesser extent Han. Nice, that's a really good point. So. How about command card wise? Is are there any command cards in particular you would want to be running against hand rangers? Um, I don't think slippery target is as good against hand rangers. Mm. Uh, so I'd maybe look at swapping that out for maybe run for cover or um in the shadows. <laughs> um, yeah, slippery target doesn't give you quite the same bonus, for want of a better word, that it gives you against um say a closer range list. Um, it's a lot harder to use with Chewbacca and so on. Uh, maybe taking a pummel if you can get an end of round swing with Ahsoka. Yeah, there's 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 ways to there's things to think about, but it obviously always depends on how dominant sniping lists are. Um, 
if there's lots of sniping lists, maybe there's a slippery target. But otherwise, I don't think there's too much in there you'd want to, to remove. Maybe put a couple more movement cards in. Although, I've, I've got Heart of Freedom and Force Push, which are movement cards already. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, I suppose, so in our local meta, for example, would you consider at all adapting your list for a to say incorporate more cards against Han Rangers or do you or do you see let's say weak ways and rangers do you do you not see them as enough of a problem in just our local meta or even in the global meta at the moment to warrant adapting the local meta Han Rangers is you (laughs) (laughs) okay that's fine I suppose it's how worried am I about playing you at every tournament um which reasonably um <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that is a good point but uh there's there's a lot more scum v p and uh and not so much vader anymore, but there was quite a bit of vader, so it does a lot better against scum v p than it probably does against hand rangers um i it can still do the business against hand rangers though <laughs> nice well, I'm going to dive in to my Han Rangers list building, essentially. So if I were to construct a Han Rangers list, I would probably take my current iteration, which I just took to French Nationals. So my current variant of Han Rangers is Han Solo, Elite Alliance Rangers. You have Gideon, you have R2, you have Mac, you have 3PO, and then you have three sets of regular smugglers, because triple smugglers are amazing. And then further more from that, you have Bounce of the Force to really be able to afford those spy cards because I don't want to sacrifice too much of my damage output in exchange for the spy cards. The spy cards are an addition to my list, not a sacrifice, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It, I follow the same principles with, with uh, the Chewbacca list. Uh, I only take the two. Yeah. Oh, so I actually do push and take for three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, in my current Hunter Rangers list, I have Interleak, Strat Shift, and Commons Disruption. However, it is the first list in years where I don't run Negation. So Commons Disruption has essentially been an upgrade of Negation for me, which I started playing in the Spectre Cell days. The thinking being, well, what does Spectre Cell want to do against me? What's the most devastating Spectre Cell can do? Well, that's the strength in numbers combo. Okay. If I run comms disruption, I can stop strength in numbers. Another reason I wanted comms disruption, um, let's say instead of negation, is because it, in- it increases my chance of getting my end around start around swing. So I've always seen Han Rangers to function in a similar way to IG. If you have the last activation with initiative coming your way and you have negation in hand, then you essentially know you're going to get at least six stranger shots off, maybe seven if you manage to join to call the Vanguard, which will not be returned against, unless your opponent is running Han and you think that there is a chance that they will run I Make My Own Luck, in which case you need to be a little more careful. But the ability of Han Han Rangers to charge up, draw the cards you need, focus up, get into position, and then end of round, even if it's just... I have last activation. Okay, my three focused rangers will double move across the map so I get to your deployment zone. And then because initiative is coming my way, I have negation and I have some hunter cards, I can light some figures up and get some points. So the only downside with that playstyle, while it's incredibly powerful and it does quite a lot of damage, which is very difficult to defend against, the downside of it is that 
it would be optimal for me to start with initiative. Because of how tournament games work, round three is where most of the action will happen. So I want this to happen in round three. And if you do the math, if you start with initiative, it will come back to you in round three, which means what will you do in the other 50% of the games where you don't start with initiative? Do you try and rush it to round four? Or what do you do? Have you considered the initiative bid? I have. I have considered an initiative bid at times. Um, the thing is, it's just very, very difficult to fit in. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think if you're running, if you want an initiative bid, which I still think is an amazing idea, I think Imperial is the best faction to run an initiative bid. But essentially, so what Comms Disruption does to me is that it gives me that same scenario of I can double move in, I can make my shots, start around, I can make more shots again, and then I can fall back to safety. Unmitigatable. However, with Comms Disruption, that means that if my opponent starts with initiative, if I have take initiative in hand, that means I play take initiative and they can't negate it. Because if they play negation, I play comms disruption to discard the negation, which Oli brought up earlier is one of the best feelings in the world. <laughs> What's even better is comms disrupting someone's comms disrupt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I almost, yeah, because I do remember running against um, Tom's ra- spy ranger list. Mm, Tom's yeah, spy list was horrific. It was disgusting. Yeah, because I remember going into the game with a mindset, okay, I'm not going to use my command cards. My entire plan for this game is win with my figures and not my command cards. So for, for reference <laughs> for American figures, that the list that we're referring to had, so I think it had Strat Shift, Intel Leak, Comms Disruption, um, Data Theft, and it had Max Card Shadow Ops, which uh, is an amazing card, but very expensive. Yeah. Which you can definitely afford if you're playing a Han Rangers list without Han, which means you don't need Lan. Yep, true. So he played it to amazing extent, and it does quite a bit of damage. It, it, well, I lost to it in that UK Nationals, so... <laughs> yeah. I lost. By, I, I won by the skin of my teeth in the, I think it was top 8 matchup I faced him. Yeah, it was the first round of, of the cup. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the reason I really value Spies and Han Rangers. And yes, you could take the initiative bit, but... Construction basically does the same thing without me needing to sacrifice a point. Additionally, what I did realize with Han Rangers is that, like I said, having the last activation is so powerful. And that's not something you need to be that worried about in the Spectre Cell days, because <laughs> Spectre Cell is Spectre Cell. They got their six activations, they're not going to get more, and that's it. Whereas now, when Spectre Cell is not as common, you're more likely to run into, say, scum VP lists. Then suddenly you start seeing lists. Usually they still sit around the seven activation mark. So eight activations will activate most things. But because I want guaranteed last activation, more or less, unless I'm going up against Jawa Swarm, um, <laughs> which is a silly, silly list. <laughs> um, but unless I'm going up against Jawa Swarm, nine activations will more or less guarantee me last activation. Which then, again, it just gives me even more consistency for my start right and around swings. Um, so that's what so that is my current iteration of Han Rangers. It is. It feels to me to be the most efficient variant. It's not the most beginner friendly, I will say, and we'll get into that later when we start exp- uh, going into advice for newer players. But it is, I think, my my favorite Han Rangers variant to date. And with your you making the comment about the um, spy cars you take, I in the IACP version of my list i do get mac for for almost free because chewbacca costs nine points and ahsoka costs seven uh so i get a free mac 
uh, at which point I would drop negation for strat shift. So. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, that is nice. But yeah, so that's how I would build my lists. My current iteration is my favorite. Um, if I were to build an ICP variant, which is an interesting thought, because I haven't actually run a hundred range in ICP, just because uh, ICP has been just a nice fresh thing for me. I've uh, actually been, ironically enough, running Chewbacca recently, because um, I've spoken previously about how I like to run Han Wookiees with two sets of elite Wookiee warriors. I realized it was fun, but there just wasn't really enough synergy for me. So my current variant is Chewbacca, the fixed Garkin, and then one set of elite Wookiees who are lying in ambush. It is pretty brutal, but it is so much fun. Um, but if I were to run Han Rangers in ICP, I think I would do the exact same thing, but I actually don't think... Well, I would probably run basically the exact same thing, but if I were to make any alterations, I would probably drop one smuggler, and then I would probably put in... Um, not covering fire, uh, but the other um, squad, um, trooper upgrade for ICP, which does um, some extra damage, even if you don't, even if you aren't able to actually land any damage, which is, which I think would be a nice little buff to the rangers, and then probably something like um, on a diplomatic mission on Gideon, because the way I play Han rangers is minimalistic and take the kills you need, not the ones your opponent gives you. If that makes sense. You take the kills that you need to keep yourself in control of the game, not the ones which are the easiest. So an example of that is I have Celebration and I have Primary Targets. Uh, not Primary Targets, sorry. Uh, price on the Heads. The downside of Price on the Heads is that usually your opponent can see it coming from a mile away because most Hunters are single activation groups. So one Hunter plays Price on the Heads on a figure and then your opponent has a chance to react to it. Hunt Rangers, on the other hand, one Ranger, one ranger plays Price on the Heads and then there are at least two, even three shots if you are able to position well, going into that figure. So your opponent doesn't really have a chance to really defend themselves against it. And Price on the Heads, for anyone who isn't aware, is a one-point card, hunter-only. It's a special action. Place this command card on a hostile deployment card. When the last figure in that deployment card has been defeated, you gain an additional four victory points. So between that and Celebration, it gives me an extra eight points if I can kill a unique figure. So... Um, I remember one against Alistair in the top eight at French Nationals. I killed one regular Jawa and one Greedo in one volley. But because I had both of those cards, instead of that giving me six points, that gave me 14 points, which is a pretty nice swing. And yeah, just because the those victory point shenanigans, because ScumVP is probably with the most dominant uh, scum variant in the regular meta at the moment, Han Ranger's VP is something that kind of um, appealed to me. And so I, I do think that on a diplomatic mission on Gideon just for some extra points. I mean, even if three points can be the difference between a win and a loss. No, you, you are correct. And um, the UK Nationals that we brought up a few times now, if I'd have put diplomatic mission on, on Gideon, uh, I would have won, I think, one of the games I lost. Uh, but instead I had the um, reroll card on Chewbacca. I can't remember what it's called. On Chewbacca on C-3PO. Uh, uh, trusted ally. Uh, in order to give Chewbacca a reroll, and um, there's a little bit of a defense against um, what's the word I'm looking for now? A little bit of defense against uh, stuns and bleeds and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, but you are correct in that Rangers, one of their big abilities, big powers, is that they can get price on their heads and kill the unit in the same activation. 
part of the reason why Ahsoka and Jared are there to kill a ranger as soon as possible. <laughs> exactly. Um, and yeah, we're going to we we are going to touch into exactly how how we would play against the other list in a little bit. But yeah, my trouble smugglers basically they their main role would be to form a wall just to make sure that that deep strike kill a ranger early thing doesn't happen because it is crippling. Every ranger you take out is such an integral part of Han Rangers. Because, in my opinion, Han Rangers is a 22-point list. Everything else is just there to help Han Rangers do their work. Yeah, well, the second you start losing rangers, um, my, my um, damage dealer advantage increases yeah. more and more. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's how I would build, build the list. As for how I would, say, adapt it if I were to go up against a Chewbacca list, um, I, I wouldn't make too many changes. Um, the the command deck I have now is very, I don't want to say well-rounded, but it is a variant which I've been adapting for, I mean, years and years. And I do, I do find that it's maybe not at its very peak, but there aren't really many changes I would make against anything. Obviously, if something stupid like Spectacell came back into the meta, or if Agnos came back into the meta, that might change, shake up some things. But in the meta right now, I... I am pretty happy with my command deck. Some small things I might change is obviously heart, um, I think Heart of Freedom would be a massive boon against Chewbacca lists. I do remember, uh, again, going back to that UK Nationals, in my game against Ollie, um, your Chewbacca ran up and stunned and did four damage to a ranger, or maybe three damage, um, and then was able to run back. It was on the screw. You were able to mm-hmm. run back, probably with Slippery Target something. And, probably, yeah. And that was back in the days where because I've had about five Han Rangers variants over the years. But that was back in the days where I ran um, Han, Rangers, Hera, Gideon, 3PO, no Mac, no R2, but I had I still had Triple Smugglers, it was eight activations, and I had Bounce of the Force and Rebel High Command. I did have Mac, though. I did have Mac. You did have Mac, which was a very interesting matchup, because, yeah, yeah then he had all the spy control and I didn't. And... I mean, the game was so long ago, I, I don't think any of us remember, mm. but I do I do recall you interleaking something rather... I, mm-hmm. I almost want to say you, you interleaked Lamb out of my hand. I think it was something like that. Maybe your tools or one of the one of the cards that you want when you interleak someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's definitely good interleak. So I would probably, if I knew I was going up against Honchiri, um, I would probably consider, at least, getting Heart of Freedom in. Just because, yeah, mo- the movement on Han Rangers is absolutely invaluable. And two free movement points in a sniper list is so much better than, say, urgency. Because mm-hmm. urgency is obviously nice when you need to move the full six, which is nice for when you do decide to be aggressive. Extra two movement points, however, means that you can go one, two, three, snipe, one, two, three. And that will be a tremendous boon because then you're not sacrificing your well placed defensive positioning in exchange for getting some extra shots out. So I used to love Heart of Freedom back in the day, but I just can't fit it anymore. But I would probably consider getting it back in. Yeah, it's part of the reason why I generally, whichever faction I'm building a list for, will have Heart of Freedom, Price of Glory, all worth every credit. Yeah. Yeah. It is very difficult to argue against. Mm-hmm. The two movement points, you, you're alone, never mind the other effects you get, are arguably worth two points. Completely agree. Furthermore... As for how I would balance the modification, well, as there aren't really that many modifications I would do, it doesn't really need to be balanced so much. Because there aren't that many um, chewy lists in the meta, I honestly don't think I would modify my list at all. 
I'm pretty happy with where it is at at the moment. So even though Heart of Freedom would probably be fun to put in, I don't think I would I would consider too likely to put in. Yeah, you, it's the it's the right choice. Uh, yeah. When you consider at Euros, there were two lists for Chewbacca in, <laughs> one of which was me. Well, I mean, um, I'll be honest, that's more than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I placed higher than, than the other Chewbacca, so... <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, now with the list building section done, we are now going to get in, right into the juicy part, uh, gameplay. So, Ollie, if you want to start off, how would you describe your aim for round one? So the aim for round one is to well obviously you need r2 on the terminal and you need um 3po in a in a decent spot so he's providing a little bit of protection and all that sort of things uh the biggest one that people are surprised about when they faced up against me is that the focuses the first focuses go on ahsoka and jared uh as i've said they're the deep strike uh, targeters and um i think it's a bit of a surprise that jared's one of the targets um uh, people it's hard to plan against how to to counter two units that can hit. It's why it's why um, lothcats are so effective. You can't protect very easily against against the range that they've got, uh, especially if you start to include heart of freedom and and the, the things like that. So my aim for round one is to get them in a threatening yet safe position and uh, start to maneuver Ezra and Chewbacca so they're in a um, sort of backup threatening position if that makes sense so it's quite often near a door or or in a sort of position that's hard to get to by yourself but if you expose anyone they're there to um to pounce with uh so that's the general aim for round one um unless someone does a particularly aggressive maneuver in which case the focuses will shift to chewbacca um and ahsoka to, to take advantage of um, say an overexposed Han or, or, or whatever. Obviously the Han will use on the lamb, but if I can get it out round one, I, I see that as a bit of a win. Absolutely. So do you have any examples on the different maps in rotation currently? Just generally where where those um, backup aggressive spots would be for Chewbacca and Ezra? Um, so on, we'll do oldest first, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> All this one's Tarkin, so generally it's um, whichever side you're on, it's generally between the two doors. Uh, depending on what list you're facing, you either want to open either your middle or top door, depending on what your opponent does, or open neither door and send your speedy long-range units down to the bottom, um, you know, where the, the hangar area is, um, yeah. so that they can uh, affect anything that goes into the middle. And at that point, you want to leave Chewbacca and Ezra sort of clustered around the sort of corner where the terminal is with 3PO and uh, R2 providing um, line of sight blocking. Um, it's not ideal on, on Tarkin. Uh, the doors are a big issue uh, because you don't want to <laughs> use anything to open them. Uh, it's mm. probably 3PO that ends up opening doors uh, more than anything or or, or Jared. Um Oh, I forgot about Jared's little robot. Jared's little robot will stay with 3PO and uh, with, with Chewbacca for most of the game because <laughs> he's the only one who doesn't have a native pierce. Uh, oh. and, and generally try and just get in an annoying position. Uh, Chewbacca's scary enough until you realise with pierce one, he's even worse. <laughs> um, 
on Blitz, uh, generally you need to have Chewbacca go towards the Spire and then Ezra go that way as well. And then Ahsoka and, I mean on Lothal in general here, not just on Blitz. And then Ahsoka and Ezra are positioned based on where, where your opponent is. Uh, so if your opponent goes all towards the other end from the Spire, you probably want to send everyone to the bottom at that point um, so that you're not overwhelmed. Or if they split, then you need to split. You sort of need to match what they're doing with, with your two guys. Uh, and especially as you've got Gideon, you can get the, the range on the focuses and, and, and so on. Um, and then on... Uh, that's that's the same whichever side you're on in in on Mos Eisley. Oh, Mos Eisley, that's a long time ago. On on Lothal, <laughs> um, yeah, you generally want to match what your opponent's doing. And then on um, Coruscant, um, the backup area for Chewbacca. If you're on the, I don't know what the terminology is for the. If you're on the side which has got the the big area of blocking terrain. Um, if that makes sense. The side where the, the terminal's got the blocking terrain uh, next to the main room. I don't know. How would you describe that side? Um, uh, on Mall's map? Yeah, the side that the taxi isn't on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think taxi is probably the easiest way to yeah. explain it. So so the side the taxi's not on, uh, generally Chewbacca, uh, the, the staging areas, the, the room to the right of the map opposite the terminal, uh, with the blocking terrain, you can get a couple of them in there so they can move out easily enough. And on the other side, it's positioned all around that T at the top. Um, that map's a bit strange because of... I, I know Isaac has had trouble negotiating it before. Uh, it's a bit strange because of all the, the blocking terrain and so on. But for that reason, Ahsoka loves it because you know it doesn't count. You just jump over it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but the, generally that's sort of it. It's a bit, as I've said, you need to get into the sort of rhythm of the game. So a lot of it is watch what your opponent does and and build based on that. This is more of a reactionary style. Nice. Yeah, that is. Um, I would say rather similar to how I would, um, how I would set up for Han Rangers as well. So with Han Rangers, my aim for round one is. So I suppose specifically against um, Chewbacca, I'm not too worried about being sniped. I am worried about being punched, however. Mm-hmm. So against some ranged lists, I would usually set up my smugglers as body blockers for my rangers against line of sight. Especially for the Han variants, that's a, that's a big big issue. Yeah, for it's... sure. Han is going to go for Rangers. He's not. He's going to ignore your Han as much as possible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. However, again, I think against a more melee chewy based list, I would probably be looking to go more along the lines of instead of blocking line of sight, I would be blocking adjacency. So just mm-hmm. making sure that Jack, uh, Jared, sorry, <laughs> um, that Jared can't run up and slash one of my Rangers round one, making sure Herod isn't able to leap. And that does um, segue, I suppose, into my Han Rangers playstyle pretty well. And it's especially if we're looking at the aim for round one. I am happy if at the end of round one, I am in a position where I can, where I am able to essentially provide offensive power, whichever route my opponent decides to go. This is particularly clear on the Tarkin map, which I'll get to in a second. But I also want to be in a position where I'm not taking taking very much risk. So essentially, it's 
the Han Rangers playstyle of round one. Round one is going to set up Han Rangers for the rest of the game. If you are able to put yourself in a position where you are exerting maximum offensive capability whilst still minimizing the risk involved in your positioning, you are going to have a very good game. So some examples of how that might look is on, say, Tarkin's map. Uh, regardless of whatever side I'm on, I would probably want my rangers in more or less of a line. And they would be outside of line of sight from both main corridors, but my smugglers will have opened the doors to both corridors. So whichever door my opponent opens, my rangers have the capability, not the, not the inherent will, but they have the capability to shoot down both corridors. That is something that I have seen some Han Rangers players do, is um, that they will flank the main door. They will have two rangers above there. And when I say main door, I say the door directly between the row of doors directly between the two deployment zones. I've seen some players line up their rangers, some on top of that door and some underneath that door. I find it a lot more valuable to more or less line them up um, between both lanes, if that makes sense. This is also where the trouble smugglers come in. Obviously, the, the two of the smugglers are going to open the doors, but if you can also align the smugglers in such a way that you can you can afford to be a little more risky with your rangers, that could very well pay off for you. So, for example, if I have three smugglers, if I, let's say, so let's say I'm starting on the side with the treehouse, the exterior side on Tarkin. If I line up two of my smugglers um, behind my terminal in such a way, then I can line up my rangers diagonally above them, if you're looking at the um, two deployment zones being the top. Then diagonally above them, I can put my rangers. What that means is that if my opponent is to get line of sight to my rangers, they need to chew through R2 and two smugglers, and then they get line of sight to the rangers. And that, for most lists, is going to be pretty difficult to do because that is a lot of shots and a lot of accuracy as well, not to, not to mention R2's lucky. That would be one of my favorite positionings to get off, because I am able to really easily exert pressure into the middle hallway by going 1-2, shoot 1-2, but also the top hallway I would also be able to I would also be able to target. I'm usually less worried about the top hallway than the bottom one. Uh, the reason for that is that against Han Rangers, most of my opponents aren't as likely to commit to the top hallway, especially if I have the treehouse side, because usually I will just... I, I will snipe down anything that tries to run up. And if I... The treehouse side, in my opinion, is inherently better. I think that's probably most people's opinion. Um, just because of that, obviously, the treehouse, the line of sight to your deployment zone is just a little more smooth. It's, it's smoother and more difficult to get. And any defensive bonus you can get is going to be invaluable as a Han Rangers player. Then I suppose Han, Rain Han would want an end-of-round shot. But you never want an end-of-round shot if he's at risk. Even if you have a lamb in hand, maybe you'll, take it, you'll, maybe you'll take a risk. But the phrase which has given me the most success is, when in doubt, stay conservative. If you're looking at this, so say if if they've exposed their Hondo, you know Han can double move up and get an end of round focus shot at Hondo, and this could be an early kill, especially if you have initiative coming your way and you're humming and eyeing and you're not sure whether you you move and take the shot because you realize well there there are two focus hidden weak ways, who could then light up Han if they have taken initiative. 
when in doubt, stay conservative. If you're not sure, don't commit. It sucks, but that's something I've taught myself the hard way, and it definitely pays off. Do you have any experience? Yeah, you especially need to you especially need to watch out against things like that against the a, a Chewbacca list, um, because if you go for something with a lot of extra units like the three smuggler hand range hand chewy variant um i would often leave smugglers in stupid positions um intentionally that were just annoying enough that the player would want to deal with them but or equally if um if they did deal with them <laughs> there's a little card called debts repaid <laughs> um you also need obviously need to be very careful against spies when you're doing that sort of thing with han um because you might have lamb in hand, lamb will be gone immediately if if I see you've overexposed um, Han and I have Ahsoka. Yeah, one hundred percent. Which again is why last activation is so critical for me when I run Han Rangers. It's just that extra consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll quickly go through the other maps. What I what I'm looking for um, and my aim for round one. But yeah, that is a very important thing. Han loves his end of round shot, but don't overdo it. If it puts you at too much of a risk, don't take the risk. That would be my biggest piece of advice when it comes to underground shots. Um, looking at Lothal, a lot of people say that Lothal is, oh, it's a great map for Han Rangers because it's got all the line of sight. Yeah, yeah, it's nice for the line of sight. But my favorite thing about Han Rangers, however, is taking, like I said, taking the kills I want, not the kills the opponent gives me, and then getting to 40 through objective play. Fluctuations sucks for that. I mean, Fluctuations is... It's probably one of my least favorite missions just ever. I think Fluctuations is probably the worst map we have had. I, I, I think so too. It's... I, I'm not going to get into it. it. It's a huge map, and if you've got an objective-based list, you've got no chance on it. No, exactly. Uh, I mean, there's some good news. Ugnaught do- does not work on Fluctuations, I'd say. That is a. I've seen Ugnaughts work on fluctuations. Okay, let me rephrase that. <laughs> they don't work as well as say they do on some games, like say Rogue AI. No, they work a lot better on Rogue AI. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so with um, Lothal, I am looking to be in a position in in the hallway, right outside of my deployment zone, both in Blitz and in fluctuations. I will be looking to take position in my hallway, looking at the clear area. I do not want to mess around with the with a spire. The main reason for that, obviously, Sabine. Everyone hates Sabine. Well, no, they don't, but everyone hates Sabine Spire. Um, and in ICP, Boba Spire is a whole nother fun thing to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially with the Spire, getting rerolls is, is very difficult. So I will usually ignore the Spire, and if my opponent commits to the Spire, I will flank them from the top, because I can shoot down all the long range from the top, and if my opponent sends their whole list down to the Spire, then I'll, I'm very happy with that, because there is this little cup, you can almost call it this, this C shape or something, which gives you perfect protection from the direction of the Spire, but lets you very easily move down to shoot the Spire which I really, really like. So I would definitely go up top. If I'm going up against a IG list or a, a scum list, which has IG or Greedo, in fluctuations, I will definitely create a wall of smugglers up above me, above my rangers, just to make sure that Greedo or IG 
if they you know get lucky and you know they have blaze round one or something i don't lose rangers um so and a lot of the things i bring up now actually were evidenced in my french in my french national championships game games um i will bring up that i am um, appearing on zion's finest um the episode might already be out by the time this is released or it might be releasing soon um and with kenny i'll be having a play-by-play experience of the french nationals and a lot of these um factors i'm bringing up will be apparent in those games so just want to let you know about that if you're listening so then we have Mall's map, and I'm going to spend a little more time on this one. Um, I've had some people ask me, you know, how how does Han Rangers run on Mall? Because it's something I was very scared about, and I mean, a lot of people were very worried about how good Han Rangers would be on Mall. It was a challenge initially, and I do have something very particular that I look for round one with Han Rangers. So we'll start with Triple Cross, um, the gangster mission. I really, really, really want initiative round one on Triple Cross. The reason for that is I can pick the taxi side. And this is what I usually do. So if I start with initiative on the taxi side, my first activation will have will be Gideon focuses a ranger and moves two. My second activation is the rangers. Full on, jumping straight in. The focused ranger then moves one, gets line of sight, is five spaces away from the middle gangster, and shoots it. On a good roll, I'm able to one-shot it. On a not great one, on a not great roll i'll do a lot of damage and then another ranger will move up and finish it off and then move back the last ranger will regardless shoot the gangster at me which is um close to me after that if the the gangster close to me is still alive my smugglers will then move up and keep on popping some shots at it until it dies that means i'm we are currently looking at six points to three if my opponent takes care of theirs which they'll probably do however my plan then for the end of round one is to have Han be focused, and then he'll double move, so he's in that protected L section of the cross, just straight ahead of my deployment zone. The special reason for this is that when I roll for the gangster, there is a 2 in 3 chance of it either landing on the 2 or the 3, and I can then push it 3 spaces, because it's my initiative, to be in Han's direct line of sight. So end of round 1, Han gets a focused shot at a gangster, which will most likely kill it. That is nine points round one. A six-point lead slash just nine points to begin with is a is one of the best starts to a game I could ever ask for. I mean, that's almost a, f- a fourth of, my, of the points I need to win right there. Other things is that I will move two smugglers down the taxi side towards that door. Um, and by that door, I mean the door right in the corner. Not the door leading to the main room, but... Um, the door that then leads to another door, which then leads into a direct line of sight into my opponent's, into my opponent's deployment zone. And I think you can probably see where I'm going with this. If I'm able to bring my rangers down there as well, even if it's, say, by hiding them behind the taxi, which is also one of my favorite techniques, hide them behind the taxi, and then give them a full flanking ground in that area. Because if I can move them down, open those doors, and shoot down, Yes, my opponent can hide in, you know, they can hide in their little um, terminal alleyway, but they won't be able to hide everyone. And even if they do, I will be able to see someone if the rangers move out even a little bit more. And remember that if they do move everyone into that alleyway, my Han is sitting in that cross, which means that it, they are literally pincered 
between the rangers who are shooting from the bot from one direction and Han was who is shooting from another direction. So that is my favorite Han Ranger strategy on the Moore's map, and that is why it has been working as a relative success for me. That's what I usually do, and with celebration and price on the heads, especially if my opponent doesn't commit to those to that to those corner doors. It means I can just stand one behind that wall, and it's basically impossible for them to get line of sight on me, but I'm still maximizing all the shots I'm getting through there. Um, if I don't start with initiative, I'll have the other zone, or I might even still have that zone if my opponent decides that they want the bottom zone. But I'll basically do the same thing. Um, I don't get my rerolls on my middle gangster, which is unfortunate, but that is still the general strategy on wall. Um, I think I'm going to go into greater detail because that's more just focus on high ranges on um, the Zion's Finest episode. But for now, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And that's essentially the plan I want for for round one. I do not disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, it's definitely something which it took me a while to figure it out. But honestly, Maul's map is one of my favorite maps with high ranges because your positioning needs to be perfect. And Imperial Assault is such a positioning game for me that it really challenges me in a way that I really enjoy. It's a shame we didn't have Maul's map a long time ago, because I think it's the best map we've had. I wouldn't say the best, but I, I'd say it's one of the best. I, I, th I think it's good. It's difficult to argue with Uskru. Uskru was one of my favorites. I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I really, really liked Uskru. I didn't mind Uskru. Um, Jabba's Palace was great. That one was really fun. Um, I've heard good things about IG's map as well, the with the moving laser. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually did play that one in a um, ICP tournament a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and that it's a very very fun map. Horrible for rangers, absolutely horrible for rangers. It's like seven spaces between deployment zones, <laughs> but apart from that, it's a good map. Um, but yeah, so we'll briefly jump into tempo. So round so round one sets up both of our lists very intently mm -hmm. on how the rest of the game is going to look to us. Tempo, however, more addresses the ebb and flow of dying figures, the drawing of cards, the passing, the attacks, the moving, the defending. So tempo is, I think, a rather undervalued aspect of Imperial Assault. So I suppose for you, Ollie, what would your ideal tempo for your game, specifically against Han Rangers, with with your chewy list? Against Han Rangers, I need to get rid of at least one Ranger as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I need to be able to get Ahsoka to a Ranger by one of the first activations of round two, ideally. Ahsoka's got a very good chance of one-shotting a Ranger, especially if I've drawn Deathblow. If I'm looking at your list across the table from me, I need to get there as quickly as possible to minimize the chance of spy cards from you. Yeah. Spy cards ruin the day. Um, <laughs> they really do. Uh, yeah, so as soon as you've lost a ranger, maybe two, if I'm very lucky. If I get a good swing, so a, a diver soaker at the end of a round, hand's not able to respond, and then I guarantee initiative and are able to get rid of another ranger with, with death blow or something. Yeah. Then the then then the, the tempo is in my favor. If if that's yeah, that's essentially the only way the the list works against Han Rangers. Ahsoka needs to do a lot. And Isaac and I played not too long ago, and 
the um, bad things happened, and <laughs> he had spy cards, and I did not. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Ahsoka's dive. Did I kill your R2? I didn't kill your R2, did I? I hit his R2 instead of a ranger, because my force push did not work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A failed force push, which then resulted in a focus attack on R2, which I think was a dodge. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it didn't it didn't go well. It went downhill from there. It did, rather, rather rapidly downstream. Yeah. Nice. And I suppose against, um, let's actually branch it out, even though this is a matchup analysis, as this episode does focus rather intently on our specific lists, I suppose we could also touch on other lists in the meta. So... Mm-hmm. Let's just let's stick with one, but um, Scum VP. Okay, I want Scum VP to come to me, mm. um, and uh, one of the the big variants is obviously uh, the Lothcat one. That's where Slippery Target comes into its own. Uh, four out of my seven units can use Slippery Target because it's spies and smugglers. <laughs> okay, uh, that's awesome. So you dive in your um, Lothcat. You're probably looking at. Ahsoka, because they like white dice figures, because you know they if they don't dodge, you're hurting them. Um, yeah. So they dive into Ahsoka, and then Ahsoka runs away, or, or whoever runs away. Um, yeah, so I want them to come to me, um, and when they're near me, then I can dictate the the tempo um, quite well. There's uh, if your loth cat doesn't get out again after it's dived in, it is not living for very long. Uh, because there's too much high power, the powerful things there to kill it. Uh, against other scum VP lists, again, I need them to come to me. Um, IG, if he comes in, I need to be able to try and react and hopefully come disrupt a blaze of glory or, or, or whatever. Uh, stun is very helpful here. Um, yeah, it's the same sort of thing with, with imperial lists, uh, especially ones with Vader. Uh, I need to react when Vader arrives. Um, yeah, it's against certain against sniping lists. I need to be aggressive, and against more mid-range lists, I can afford to to hold off for a little bit and then deny them what they want to do. Um, and that's where things like Chewbacca comes in into his own, where you you do the Ahsoka dive in to kill someone. And you have Chewbacca ideally positioned to use death repaid and that sort of thing. Interesting. Um, so yeah, but Rangers ruins that. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nice so the ideal tempo of the game for me is very slow and methodical but menacing so what i mean by that is i will take shots round one if they don't sacrifice my positioning at all if i if i need to miss position to take a really valuable shot I'll most likely not do it. If I start the game with tools for the job, heightened reflexes, and assassinate, and then IG moves in a vulnerable spot, then yeah, maybe I will sacrifice it because killing IG early is always fun. Well, for me at least. Probably not for the IG player. But yeah, you need to. It's like it's like the Rangers. If you get if you kill IG in an IG list, their scariness takes a nosedive. Exactly. It's the same with Han Range. All right, yes, Han can win games on his own, but most of the games, it's the Rangers that win at you. Exactly, exactly. The the Rangers, in my opinion, are the money grabbers. They are the ones who are giving me the points. Han is the one fending off everyone. So yep. 
my rangers get me the kills, which I need to get my points, and Han shoots the people who could shoot me. That's kind of how I how I see it. Yep. Um, so the tempo for me would be it's very slow. I don't give my opponents many shots. If I do, it's probably going to be a smuggler or R2. But there's no way I'm giving them line of sight to my or or melee access to my rangers or Han around one. There is there's no way that's happening. I don't think any any of the lists would or any of the maps would force that on me. Everything would be done. They would get line of sight to me if I miss position, basically, because of how the walls and doors work and all the deployment zones. I should be fine. Yeah. Well that comes down to when I when my, my discussion about how I would the tempo against you would be, I would try and wrong foot you as soon as possible to, to, to get in there. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. So again, say a list like Ollie's, I would and that's exactly what I did against Ollie in our game, is that I made a wall of smugglers, I think, or at, or it was smugglers and probably three PO and R2, so that he couldn't run in and melee me. He did happen to have force push, which I didn't foresee. Not intended, but eh? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to combat disrupted, which really, really saved saved my game. But yeah, just those things like if I'm able to stop my opponent getting their attacks off, so, so by really denying my opponent their attacks, then that will usually set me up very, very well, and it will let me be in control of the tempo. Other things to adapt my tempo throughout the game: spike kills. And what I mean by spike kills is like getting you know, 12 points off a Greedo kill. Or like I had in my French National Championships finals, a 14-point a fourteen point Jabba kill beginning of round two. That's pretty good. <laughs> it is. I sacrificed way too many cards to do it, but it meant that I was in control of the tempo of the game because when my opponent is down by... At that point, he was down by about eight points because Jabba had already gotten him, I think, three points and he had killed some smugglers and... R2 and stuff with Element. It's almost like people save Element for R2 or something. It's annoying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but just that being in, in the lead, just that little bit, allows me to basically makes all the confrontations happen on my accord. I can stay back in my hallway. I know mathematically he can't reach me with movement. That means that if he gets his tax on me, it's because I move in such a way that I decide that the risk is worth it, if that makes sense. So that is definitely how what I'm looking for the tempo to be with Han Rangers. Like I said, I want to maximize my offensive capability while minimizing the risk involved. So yeah, we'll we'll briefly touch on the next one. Um, so Ollie, with your list, how much would you consider objectives of the map uh, mattering to you? Are, are you are you likely to go after the objectives, or are you usually just trying to stop me from getting objectives? Um, I am likely to let you get objectives, unless it's safe to kill your smugglers, probably with a Chewbacca slam. Right. Uh, it's I don't have enough figures to be able to afford to to risk it for objectives. Obviously, I go for objectives on uh, the gangster one because I, I can kill gangsters fairly happily. But yeah, on on the other maps, it's it's more difficult for me to contest objectives uh it's more of a grab the opportunity if it's there but um otherwise it's difficult the three smuggler variant loves objective maps though (laughs) yeah (laughs) indeed and and that's kind of my thing as well um i'm definitely looking for objectives and if i can get six to eight points from objectives i'm a very very happy man however 
keeping my rangers alive is way more important than a couple of extra points from some sash somewhere. So if body blocking my rangers against a list, say if I'm going up against um, Ollie's list, for example, I will probably put my smugglers in a spot, which means that he can't rush and, and melee me rather than running out to get some extra points. Because, I mean, like we've said a lot of times now, the ranges are very much the core of the list, and you need them to make our ranges work. So, how about positioning? Would you consider would you consider your Chewy list's positioning to be denial or aggro? I suppose we've already touched on this, and it, it probably depends on the matchup. But Yeah, so like I always said, it does depend on the matchup. Against non-sniper lists, it's more of a denial positioning. Um, so, it's all a case of trying to get into a there's um there's a in um it comes from a u.s air force pilot there's a, there's a thing called an ooda loop uh which is a thinking process for how one orientates oneself around a battlefield um chewbacca lists are quite often around trying to get into your opponent's ooda loop to make them to make mistakes uh, so the Nile and positioning is all around that. Uh, so the Scum VP is all around where do you need to put Chewbacca so you uh, jump in front of where your opponent's thinking is and um, how do you wrong foot them with the Ahsoka uh, movement and, and so on and so forth. If it's against the sniper list, I need to go aggressive and I need to get rid of a sniper as quickly as possible with, with Ahsoka or Jared. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. And I think for me... Um, my positioning would be complete denial until I either want to or need to get aggressive. So some examples of when I would need to get aggressive is when my opponent has a major points advantage and I need to get my points back. Then I will probably take take a more riskier position where he can shoot me, but I just really need to get that Hondo kill or that Onar kill or even that Sabine kill, or maybe even IG kill. It's just eliminating that one figure which will secure the points for me to give me the lead, sometimes sacrificing um, my defensive positioning would be worth it. But Han Rangers definitely plays with denial until further notice. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't want to start off with an aggro playstyle. If you, if you play aggro Han Rangers round one, you are not going to have a good game. Unless your opponent is running regular rebel trooper swarm there is no way you're going to have a good game if you're running aggressive hard rangers immediately <laughs> i mean regular rebel trooper oh no they're still awful they're, they're, yeah yeah <laughs> you yeah. might be able to do it with stormtroopers but not rebel troopers yeah i mean regular stormtroopers i think could definitely hit hit pretty hard and i would probably still take a defensive approach against um regular stormtroopers but against regular rebel troopers it's i mean it's like seeing biff on the other side of the table I mean, there's people who play the Biv Cup, isn't there? So they'd be very annoyed at you now, Isaac. You know, I've seen good things. From, I've seen good things from Loku, believe it or not. You know, uh, a Loku got to the second place at the regional I won last year. <laughs> so there you go. Well, yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I did run Loku for a while. He's not horrible. He's just not the best. Mm. I was very happy though that that list was a hand chewy list. I did feel dirty because mine was a scum VP list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, that, that that is a bit of a shame. But but that's kind of the thing because whenever you go up against Chewbacca list, whenever I go up against Han Rangers list, we both know the list so inside and out that we know what the other player wants to do, what they don't want to do, what they want to happen, what they don't want to happen. Yeah, 
which makes for a, a really a really interesting game because it's almost like in our heads we're playing both sides mm-hmm. which is always good fun so yeah so i think that's the main sections for gameplay that we've touched on um we have a couple of more that we're going to get to um i think we're going to start off with strengths and weaknesses so ollie how would you say that your list does when everything goes right you draw all the cards you want everything happens all your, all your dice roll exactly like you want to how does your game look when everything goes perfectly when everything goes right i remove the opponent's big hitters quickly um leaving them with their less favorable figures who then can't get through the defense uh, of, of chewbacca and, and, and so on uh, so that's when um, Ahsoka and, say, Ezra combine to get rid of a, a Vader type or an IG type very quickly with the, you know, the Pierce 3 and fixed dice. A focused Ezra with a fixed dice is very scary. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when when it goes right, your opponent's big figures disappear. It does well against Queen Peace lists generally because... I can remove queen pieces relatively happily. You get you, you get Chewbacca to stun them, which is good against Han. <laughs> um, mm. And then everyone else dives in and, and kills them um, very quickly. Uh, whereas it, it does also work against the the, um, the Scumby P style lists, where you pick I don't know Sabine and remove Sabine uh, and and try and get rid of hitters as quickly as possible. Um, for as little risk as possible. It all goes wrong when they've got spy cards and Chewbacca does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, which uh, which which does kind of remind me of um, a rather sad encounter I had one game when my opponent plays Devotion round one and I just look in my hand and... Yeah, so my opponent had IG and uh, mm-hmm. 3PO played Devotion on IG. And I'm just looking at my hand and there's Interleague. Yeah. I'm just... So compared to every other list, you're always vulnerable to Intel League. Yeah. Um, because you always have a three-point card in your hand. And arguably one of the best three-point cards in the game. Arguably, yeah. All right. It, uh, well, any card that gives you another activation is a, is a great card. Yeah. So um, the, the only other card they'll throw instead of that would be on the lamp. So, mm. um, yeah, when the, the, the list is, is vulnerable to, to spies more than most lists are well i suppose segueing into that what what does your list do when everything goes wrong what would be the worst case scenario for your list the worst case is when you lose a figure for not much uh, value out of it and you can't react with chewbacca or the figure is chewbacca <laughs> uh, before you've used yeah. death repaid um mm. you that's why you need to to sort of whenever you take a risk make sure it's a calculated risk it's very easy to put a game into an unwinnable position if you misplay badly. Yeah, which I, is which is why perhaps Chewbacca isn't favoured because you you know by the by the meta at large because you need to across a full day tournament you need to maintain a high level of concentration all day. There are no easy wins, well unless someone's running Biv. <laughs> very very true, um, and yeah. And that's why whenever, and that's why Han is such an amazing figure, and Han and Vader are both so yep. amazing against Chewie because they can kill figures with their end of round attack. I mean, and it's not always the wrong choice just to use Death's Repaid at that point and get a free focus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, 
if if it looks like your opponent is someone who is not going to kill anyone but Chewie, then might as well give him focus. Yeah, it's not it's not the wrong choice to do it at the end of the round if Chewie's in a good position and you've got initiative going your way. Uh, you might as well use it and let's say it is Vader. With the focus, Chewie might be able to, to remove Vader. I mean, his Vader's a hard one, obviously, because the re-rolls and, and so on make his defense very good. But he is good against Vader compared to a lot of figures. Exactly. So I suppose to bring that to a full circle, how would you try and balance your play to, let's say, find a middle ground between how everything goes right and how everything would go wrong? How would you play to try and minimize the risk but maximize the... I suppose that's what spy cards are there for, <laughs> more than anything. Spy cards help you make sure everything doesn't go wrong, um, and that's where when you play a spy list, it's more it's more difficult. So, it, when I was facing yourself um, in the game we mentioned earlier, where you had the spy cards and I didn't, that's the yeah. example of where everything goes wrong because Chewbacca wasn't in a position to respond to Ahsoka's uh, defeat and, and and so on. Well, that's that's where you need to sort of use the spy cards to, to get ahead and um, try and mitigate the risk as you can. This why Han Ranger Spies is a difficult matchup. Um, yeah. it, it often comes down to which one of us gets spy cards first. Yeah. yeah. There's not a lot you can do about that. Um, because obviously it, it'd be a different game if Ahsoka had been able to pull the Ranger out instead of killed the Ranger and then Ahsoka might not have died. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, and then hit another ranger and then escaped, or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a difficult matchup, um, and there's not really another matchup like it. It's hard to mess up as badly against other lists as it is against that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you can generally, uh, you generally don't need to expose yourself as much. Um, so that's essentially what what. Try not to expose yourself loads is the way to, to balance it. Um, but sniperless, you have to. So That makes sense. Yeah. So I'll quickly jump in on what does Han Rangers do when everything goes right? So the idea of a perfect game for Han Rangers is none of my Rangers die and Han doesn't die. Obviously. Yep. <laughs> um, all your figures survive but... and you kill all the bad guys. You know, great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which, which, which. Uh, so pro- Funnily enough, when my list does that, I win games as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're you're joking. Okay, I, I think we've uh, I think we stumbled across um, some a a fundamental truth right here. to the game right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <clears throat> but no, but uh, going into more detail, what I mean is, I'm position, <laughs> I'm positioning in an area where. Um, I'm able to con- to control where my opponent can go fully. My opponent knows that if they expose themselves in either corridor, in either lane, in either area, in either side of the map, I will be able to gun them down. Means they will have to stay back and stay more defensive. If I can get my positioning in such a way that that is the result of it, then, like I said, I'm in control of the tempo, which means I can draw my cards, I can wait for my initiative swing, and when I have all my hand of cards, I have my focuses, I have my, the initiative swing... And I, have, and I have my point cards. My smugglers have probably already taken a bunch of points and thus have given me a nice lead that way. And then I just take two or three kills, get a bunch of points from that, then I stay back, denying them any chance of coming back. That would be the idea of a perfect game. 
the game where everything goes wrong would probably be if I say it be during a tournament and I'm tired or something's happened and I miss position. The misposition means my opponent gets a parting blow or a blaze or something off, and this is ironically what happened in the um, UK National Championships finals in 2018 against Alistair. He got a parting blow off round one against Han um, due to an overly aggressive misposition on my part, which is, yeah, which really cost me the game. And that, and that's just it. Like I said earlier, when in doubt, stay conservative. These are words that I learned the hard way <laughs> through several years of saying, ah, it'll be fine. It's not going to be fine. If you're doubting what you're going to do, stay conservative. And yeah, I think that's just how I would balance, the, balance my play to find a, a mix between the two. Just tell yourself whenever you think that, oh, well, that would be an amazing kill. Yeah, sure. Maybe he'll then one shot me, but, that, but the odds of that are very low. If you're running hard ranges and you're telling yourself that, well, this is fine. I mean, the odds of that are very low. Then you are you're running a dangerous game. If hard ranges is a list which can win purely by guaranteed moves, you don't have to make the risky moves. If you wait and take the guaranteed moves that you get, the guaranteed end of round, the guaranteed end of round turn, the guaranteed start of round, focus tools attack on a credo that you need to win while you have heightened. Stuff like that. Just taking as many guarantees as you can and try and refrain from the risks. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think, I think I'd think i add to you, when everything goes wrong, it's when you lose a ranger early for nothing in return. Yeah, it, exactly. And that, that's, how, that's what I have to do against that sort of list, as we said. It's get rid of the rangers. To throw everyone. That's how you beat Isaac, everyone. Kill his rangers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, which is precisely why my goal round one is to not lose anyone. Which, which I mean, seems pretty self-explanatory. I don't think anyone's plan is, you know what? Today, I want to lose Thrawn round one. I don't think anyone in the history of the world has ever said that. I mean, running I, I, champion. I, I've said before, my plan is to lose a smuggler this round. But... <laughs> <laughs> Or, you know, I'm happy to lose. I, I've had it before where I'm happy to put Han in a position where if they kill him, he dies. If you don't kill him, I get a shot out of him. But if he does die, I get a Chewbacca. Yeah. I have done that in games before. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's arguably a risk, but I think in, in the sort of games where you do that, you need to, 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 to push on and try and win points where you can. But don't do it often. <laughs> That's my advice. <laughs> don't don't no. intentionally sacrifice Han. No, exactly. And uh, speaking of that, um, to close the episode off, Ollie, what would be your advice for new players who are looking to run a Chewbacca list? So let's say, how would you change the list that you're currently running mm -hmm. to be a little more beginner-friendly? Because I think it's fair to say that this is a little more difficult version of it, and probably one which takes a while to get the hang of. Yeah, so we, we, we talked about this before before we we came on air um yeah and we're sort of saying chewbacca is a difficult figure to 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 master or to learn as well as master um because he doesn't really play like anything else um uh, i know you mentioned onar um is kind of similar um yeah but you're not looking for sort of the same 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 swing in momentum with 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 onar potentially um 
I think the only way you can learn how to 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 to, to play it is to just put things together with Chewbacca in. Um, I mean, he's obviously got the the smuggler trait, um, and in in, in ICP, Wookies are, are viable. Um, yeah, so there's obviously Wookie options you can take. Um, looks to to build things around simple basic things. I mean, Han Chewie does does still work, but it's 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 a difficult one to play with, and you only got two things that are capable of shooting uh, other figures. I'd probably say take a list similar to what to what I've discussed throughout the episode, but maybe swap Jared for Jin, as much as Jin is the worst and um, <laughs> regularly costs you games. She's easier to play than Jared. Um, and easy to figure out what you're supposed to do, and maybe swap Ezra out for for Sabine, because Ezra is a bit more difficult to learn how to play in this sort of style. Was it, it? I've not really mentioned him very much, but it's it's a lot of it comes down to figuring out when to 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 throw him in, um, to get the most out of him, because he doesn't stick around for as long if he's not expected to sell Ezra. <laughs> Very true. And because of the Spectre Cell hate, everyone hates him and wants to kill him. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I mean, Ahsoka is, I know where uh, people who listen to Zion's Finest will know um, Kenny used to love Ahsoka and, and still does, just doesn't play her because she's difficult to, to, to know. She's, she's not a survivable Jedi like a lot of the other ones are. She's a, I'm going to throw in a grenade and, and, and hopefully kill something. You've got to treat her like she's a, a ranger almost. You've got to treat her like a sniper, but a vulnerable one. Yeah. Um. So something along the lines of for a new player, maybe Chewbacca, Ahsoka, Sabine, Jin might do okay. Uh, it's none of them are particularly hard units to figure out how to use. Um. You just not got quite the same synergy that um Ahsoka, Ezra, Jared give you. Um. But the only way you can learn how to play Chewie is to play a lot of games with Chewbacca. Um, I know before I was regularly sort of, before I got to the stage where I would actually beat people with Chewbacca, um, I played probably about 50 games with Tom Parrish on, uh, with Chewbacca. So if you want to know how to beat Chewbacca, ask him, because he's probably played <laughs> against it more than anyone uh, with with a wide variety of lists. Um yeah, it's uh, you, you can't. You'd have to dedicate a bit of time to figure out, or or, or play against it a lot to figure out what to do with with him. It is. He, he looks like he's tanky, but he's not that tanky. And it looks like he'll shoot very much, lots of damage all the time, but then you roll single symbols on every dice. Uh, yeah. I put officers training in just because I was fed up with that happening to me. Um. <laughs> if you give if if well, you're in the ICP, Isaac, give him a reroll. Go on, do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and All right. Uh, I'll, give I'll him the dodge back. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, uh, but yeah, once you just have to get get a feel for what will he survive and what will he actually be able to achieve. Um, it's not the end of the world running Chewbacca into slam something and running him back out. It throws off their position in, it puts a bit of damage in, and then it you know keeps Chewbacca safe. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's what that's my suggestion. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so I suppose for my Han Rangers list, it is not one I would recommend for someone starting out to play Han Rangers. If you want to play Han Rangers, 
good for you. It is my it is the most fun list I've ever ever run an Imperial Assault, and I still love it, and I always will love it until my death, which is hopefully not too soon. Stop doing parkour. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, now I can't do it for a while. For anyone who hasn't um, hurt, I broke my arm uh, recently um, during a parkour class, which means typing and everything is now twice as slow as before, which is slightly annoying. <laughs> um... But yeah, so if you do want to run Hunter Rangers, I would recommend not going with this particular list. I would definitely put in Hera. The thing is, the staples for Han Rangers is Han Rangers, Gideon, 3PO. Those are your, what, 27 points, which are non-negotiable. I mean, you definitely can remove the Rangers, but then suddenly it's not Han Rangers anymore. And you need both focus givers in a Han Rangers list. That is, there is not even a shadow of a doubt about that. I'd put this to you. If you could get Jabba in, you'd have Jabba in to focus them as well. <laughs> well, Jabba can only focus... Well, nice obviously, reviews, but I mean, so. he did pay the six points to have Jabba as well to focus them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If you could with a temporary alliance, you probably would, to be honest, just because the focuses are so valuable. Um, but I would definitely put in Hera. How you choose to do that is up to you. You, you could do that by getting rid of Mac and Balance of the Force, does removing your spy shenanigans, but you get Hera's consistency, and you still have nine activations. You could also get rid of two smugglers and put in Hera, but then you go down to eight to eight activations. So I would recommend trying out both, um, because I honestly think that this variant of Han Rangers is it is very very powerful. It's one which I've slowly tailored towards over the. My, it's probably close to two years of playing Han Rangers now at this point. Might mm-hmm. even be close to three years. I've been playing it for a long time. <laughs> um, and it's all slowly been creeping down to this variant. So I would recommend definitely running it with Hera, but because running Han Rangers without Hera is very difficult. Hera on many maps gives you such a big buff with the extra movement point and lets your Rangers start in the super defensive yet super offensive line of positioning. However, if you're not running Hera, you'll need to, you know, you'll need to actually manually move to, to go there, which makes the game a little more difficult. So I would not recommend starting off your Han Rangers journey without Hera. So start off with Hera, and then try both variants. Go nine activation Han Rangers and go spy Han Rangers. See which one appeals to you. If you want to try the Sabine Han Rangers, go for that as well. I've heard some people do well with it. For me, I'm not a huge fan of it because you do lose Hera and but and you also lose Mac, which and is far from ideal. And activations, which is the biggest thing for me. I will never run on ranges, which is below eight x, and even eight x feels low for me right now. Um, so yeah, the I'd caution listeners to not get rid of the three smugglers. The map control it gives you is is important, and body blockers on other maps is also important. It yeah. makes it a lot harder to for, for other sniping lists to play against you if you have the block blockers. One hundred percent agree, um, but I do think that you want practice with spies before you drop Hera. Yeah. So I definitely do think that the non-spy nine activation Han Rangers list is better than the eight activation spies list. Um, but you know, just 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 see what appeals most to you. And you definitely could, say, drop R2 and still have Mac, but Mac 
it's difficult to play Hon Rangers without any sort of card draw buff, which is why I not only have R2, but I have both planning and black market prices in my command deck. So yeah, I, I think that would be my biggest advice to new players who want to try out Hon Rangers. Just definitely go with Hera. With time, you can afford to take a break from Hera, but you definitely want to start out with Hera. And try it with Spies, try it without Spies, try 9 activation with 3 Smugglers, and I mean, even try out the super duper card draw list, which uh, Greg Monson took two worlds, where you have R2 and Rebel High Command, which is a crazy card draw list, but you do sacrifice Spies and activations. So pros and cons, I would recommend trying out as many options as possible. You are vulnerable to strain strain trains, then, I suppose. <laughs> uh, as some people are trialing, uh, <laughs> not successfully, <laughs> in all places. But they it, can work. Yeah. If they work well, they, you know, it's just yeah. relies on a lot of luck. Exactly. And as we'll probably bring up on a later episode of the podcast, a joker can screw over a really, really skilled Batman player. And I think that's probably going to be <laughs> a topic of one of the knowledge and defense sections uh, segments of the podcast one time, but that is for another episode. But I think for now, that just about wraps up this episode. Ollie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure having well, you. Thank you for inviting me. If anyone's got any questions on, on the Zion's Finest Slack, I'm uh, at FF Monkey because I've got a cool uh, alias from the yesteryears of the internet. <laughs> Brilliant. Back when Isaac was a wee baby. <laughs> You've really got to bring that up now, do you? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Alrighty. Well, before we tag off, any any last words? Um, Chewbacca's well better than Rangers. So, you know, Isaac's an idiot. Don't listen oh. to him. <laughs> well, all right. I see how it is. <laughs> um, well, I actually have some final words here as well. Chewie sucks. Rangers are the best, and anyone who says any otherwise is, I don't know, it's obviously from Manchester. <laughs> awesome well thank you everyone for listening we'll see you in the next one bye